this hour. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon everyone, this is Mary Woods. Um, I'm the CEO at Westbridge. And we treat folks that have co-occurring uh, major mental illness and substance use disorders. And our topic today is a little bit um, different for us, but I think it's something that a lot of us can relate to. Um, and it's certainly an area of um, treatment and recovery that a lot of organizations are beginning to look into and some are currently utilizing, and that's therapy dogs. And I think it's really important because a lot of folks think they have therapy dogs, but that there's a process for making sure that if your agency is using a therapy dog for you to understand what is a certified therapy dog and what isn't. And we have three really um, great guests today who are very well informed around therapy dogs. I'll let me introduce the three of them, and then we'll get started. Um, and if anybody out there has any questions, feel free to give us a call during our presentation. Um, first, I'd like to introduce to you Gina Hayes, who's the owner and training director of Just Dogs Training, and she is associated with Therapy Dogs International. We also have Liz um, Claus. Liz, did I say that right? Cleves. It's Cleves. I'm sorry. Um, she is a staff trainer and coordinator for Therapy Dogs at Fortunate Canine, and um, Liz has experience of being a therapy dog owner. She has two dogs of her own, and she does volunteer work at Tewksbury State Hospital in Massachusetts. We also have with us uh, um, Julia McDonough, who is uh, the training director at Fortunate Canine, which is a company devoted to helping dogs and their owners find success through a combination of time-tested methods and individualized programs. And one of the individualized programs they have there is training for therapy dogs. So I guess I would start with Gina. And could you explain to our audience just what is a therapy dog and how do we know that we have the real thing? if we're in an agency and we want to have someone come and volunteer? Well, most people want to have a, a, a therapy dog. They would like their dog to be a therapy dog. Um, their dog perhaps provides so much love and comfort to them, and they feel that they should share that with others. And so most people call or are interested in having their dog become a therapy dog uh, because of their, their great love and, and what their dog can, can give them. Um, you know, we've learned over the years that the, the therapy dogs can be a therapeutic aid, uh, and even the medical community does agree with that now um, by gaining insight into thought and emotional behavioral problems and just providing unconditional love. 
uh, whether it be with children, elderly, uh, stress victims. For many years, I was a police officer, and I specialized in rape investigations. And even in that kind of a traumatic situation, the dog that I brought in to find a suspect uh, was welcomed by the victim. So, you know, we know that these dogs can provide just incredible, incredible uh, comfort and make people laugh and, and, and et cetera. But the one thing that most people really don't know is that their dog has to be a well-behaved dog at the same time. So even though they have all this love to share and all this love to give, they can't just be running willy-nilly. And that is where I think it's a little bit more difficult for people to understand sometimes is that the dog actually has to be a trained dog, um, and a, a well-mannered dog that can complete tests um, easily. Um, Julia, before we came on the air, we were talking a little bit about my dog. And could you just explain to the audience, as you explained to me, what a well-trained dog, what you're really looking for, what kind of behaviors? Well, our definition of a well-trained dog is a dog who will do the thing you're asking him to do at the moment that he's least likely to do it. That's a really good way of summing it up. And so the example that I think we used in our conversation um, was that people often will bring us a dog and say, well, you know, he's already had training and he knows how to sit. And so we'll invite them to come into the training room and say, okay, go ahead and have your dog sit. And often it takes them a few commands to, to get the dog to sit. They have to sort of beg him and use different hand signals, and maybe they snap their fingers or maybe they require a treat. And uh, then when the dog finally sits, he might only sit for a few seconds before he's distracted by something. Um, so our definition of a well-trained dog is the dog who, when he's asked to do something, even if it's not something that he wants to do at that moment in time or if something more interesting happens around him, he'll defer to his owner's direction. And we've found that this is important for anything you're teaching a dog, um, whether it's for competition, whether it's for you know personal protection training, whether it's for the therapy work itself. The dog has to trust his handler's direction, and I think that's the part of training that goes missing in a lot of people's lives with their dogs. Um, Liz, you are the... Uh training coordinator for therapy dogs. So what exactly are you looking for? Is there something in addition to being well-behaved that you're looking for in a dog? Is there a special temperament or a special spark or something? Um, well, what I've been doing, I've been working with Tewksbury State Hospital to try to bring them some more teams from Fortunate Canine. And one of the things that they're looking for uh, is a dog that can, as Julia's saying, do everything under so a lot of distractions, and they've got to defer to their owner. So we're looking for a dog that has a real good bond with its owner and that there's no question that that dog is going to listen to the owner and stay in its sit if it's told to stay, um, that type of thing. But the hospital also is looking for the handler or the person that's accompanying the dog to be a very personable person, to enjoy the volunteer work. Even though the dog is the star of the visit, the handler or the person is also very important on the visit. So are there some dogs that you um, intuitively know from the moment you meet them that this would be a great therapy dog, or can any dog be a therapy dog? And I guess I would throw that out to any of you that want to answer that or all of you that want to answer that. Well, I, 
I can tell you that, you know, there are dogs, uh, this is Julia, and I can tell you that there are dogs who may be a little bit nervous, dogs who are a little bit shy, um, dogs who are slightly suspicious of new things. Um, those dogs often aren't really good candidates for this type of work. Um, so that's, you know, if I encourage somebody to get together with, um, you know, our training program for therapy dogs, uh, I generally want to see that the dog is extremely stable. But as people who are actively using therapy dogs, um, Gina and, and Liz can certainly tell you what they specifically like in the dogs that they work with. Gina? Um, I, when I'm looking, I'm actually looking for a dog. The obedience we can put on the dog, that's first and foremost. But I'm looking for a dog who's not so bonded with their owner that they are really just waiting for the owner's next word or request. I want a dog who's curious, who is willing to meet new people, wants to meet new people, and, um, you know, is, is not, even if there's a noise that will startle them for a moment, that they recover quickly from that. Um, I expect any dog can be, uh, you know, um, startled by no, a noise, but I want them to be able to recover quickly. And even, you know, a lot of the dogs that, I'm going to be honest with you, I've been doing this since, well, since the 80s. Um, and a lot of the dogs that start out a bit shy, this sometimes through training, if this is what the owner really wants to do, um, we've had some wonderful dogs that come out um you know, of, uh, and become great therapy dogs. But I guess the biggest thing, that, you know, the, the, the most important thing would be really a dog that wants to, that's curious about the world. Um, they're not afraid of people, and they they want to interact with, with, with others. The dogs that are so obedience-trained um, that they really don't take their eye off off the owner, I, I have people that have come to me that say, you know, my dog scored 199 in every single leg uh, that it earned in obedience. And I look at the dog, and the dog won't take its own its eye off the owner. Well, that's not my, you know, that's kind of not my first uh, pick uh, for a therapy dog because I want that dog to interact with with someone else, not me so much. Um, so I'm looking for a dog that really is interested in life and, and other people. Luz, do you have anything to add to that? Um, well, I think what Gina said, definitely you do want a dog that is a bit curious, but I think I would add to that a controlled curiosity. Um, and as for noises in, in the facility, that's certainly something that, that you do go through when you're going to a medical facility. And as Gina's saying, you know, my dogs will look at the noise. Uh, I have a Doberman and a German Shepherd. They're both bred to, to know what's going on around them. So they will look at the noise or perhaps acknowledge it, but then they'll go right back to what they're doing. Um, and also you don't want a dog that um, is not good at going into new places because even though we work in one facility, we're in different rooms of that facility. So my dogs have to be able to walk right in and then be able to go up to the person that they're there to greet with. And we'll be right back after this commercial with um, more about therapy dogs and Dog Training for Therapy Dogs. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everybody. Today we're talking about therapy dogs and dog training, and we have three guests with us. We have Julia McDonough, who is the training coordinator for Fortunate Canine in Derry, New Hampshire. We have Liz Cleaves, who's the staff trainer and coordinator for therapy dogs at at Fortunate Canine. And we have Gina Hayes, who is the owner and training director of Just Dogs Training, and and she's also associated with uh, Therapy Dogs International. And... Before going to break, we were kind of talking about what makes a good therapy dog. And, um, Liz, you got kind of cut off before we went to break. So did you want to finish your thought on, because you were talking about the whole shy and um, shy Right, what I was saying is, you know, that the dog does need to have, you know, some what I call controlled curiosity. Um, Because in the venue that we work in, we are in different rooms in different settings on each of our visits. So my dog has to be able to walk right in to be able to greet the patient, that sort of thing, and not shy away, not hang back. And also some of the patients that we work with um, have some uh, some uh, real physical limitations or actually will have spasms at times. So my dogs can't shy away from that. Um, one particular patient we visit with, it can take him up to five minutes to actually quiet his hand while he's trying to pat my dog. So if you can imagine a dog sitting with a hand kind of looming over its head, bobbing up and down, that's really not a place for a shy dog. It has to be a dog that's quite stable and ready to 
to wait for that. Or um, can you share with our listeners the story about the person with the spasm? Oh, yes. Um, I had my Doberman Panzer with me. Uh, we were visiting with, with a patient, and she was rubbing him under his neck, kind of on his throat. And she did have a muscle spasm, which meant that her hand clenched up around the loose skin of my dog's throat. And our escort started to, you know, to pull the hand away and to help her. My dog was in a stand at the time, stared at me, and I just reminded him stand. And he totally held his ground until the hand was away. And then I released him. He was fine. And 20 seconds later, this patient was back to just petting him and playing with his ears. So that really speaks to Julia's um, comment about the foundation for therapy is a well-trained dog. It's it's really a combination. There's really a balance because what Gina said is absolutely true. Um, you know, the dog can't be so – training isn't a substitute for, for mindfulness on the dog's part either, and that's, a, that's something that's sort of hard to, to quantify when you look at a dog um, just as an obedience prospect as much as we insist that the dogs be under excellent control and, and have great trust in their owners in these situations. We also need the dog to have a very stable temperament to begin with, and um, – that's a really good example right there of training and temperament combining um, to make a, a really good experience that they could have gone the wrong way had the dog not had that, that good relationship, not just with his owner and trainer and handler, Liz, but also with the world in general. Um, and as Gina said, you can take a dog who has issues with being a little bit fearful or a little bit shy, and you can absolutely build that dog's confidence through training. And just like humans, sometimes dogs do better, uh, most of the time dogs do better um, with structure and with consistency. And the training for something like a goal, such as a therapy dog title or a therapy dog you know, visitation rights like this, uh, that can actually give the handler and the dog so much to work towards that you can really bring a shy dog out and make him a more confident dog that can be shared with people. So it, it, it really is a combination, it's a balance of things. My, um, we adopted a, a dog from the um, Sheepdog Rescue League a long time ago, and we were like the fifth home that had him. And when I took him to dog training, I quickly realized that dog training should be called people training because it's really about <laughs> the people that are being trained more so than the dog. Um and I'm wondering, do you find that to be true, that dog training really is about the owners? I think any one of us could absolutely agree with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> and so and the reason I'm kind of saying that is that, um, you know, there are a lot of people that have really good intentions, and they, they think they have a therapy dog. So what are the, the certifications or are there certain standards for therapy dogs? And as a business owner that, that works with folks that have, you know, um, dual disorders, what should we be looking for if we want to have a therapy dog in our setting? I'll throw that out to whoever wants to answer it. Yeah, I think that's a great one for Gina because she's she's got so much depth of experience in this field. She can really Well, with Therapy Dogs International, it really isn't that difficult if the dog, like like Julie and I are both fond of saying, is a well-balanced dog. They have to be able to complete a canine good citizen test um, an American Kennel Club Canine Good Citizen Test. Um, and just really quickly, I mean, they have to accept a friendly stranger. They have to sit politely for petting. 
they have to allow someone to um, put a, pull a brush through their hair, pick up their feet. Um, in other words, just gently go over their body. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to walk nicely on a loose leash with a buckle collar. Um, they have to be able to walk through a crowd and not panic. Um, they have to show that they can sit and down on command and stay, come when called. And they have to have a good reaction to another dog. They don't have to be best friends and jumping up and down, but they need to show that they can have polite manners around another dog, not bark, etc. Um they have to show that they can re- react their reaction to distractions. That's very normal, but we want them to be able to um, show a nat- uh, natural curiosity and then regroup. Uh, for example, if a jogger ran by or someone dropped a book in front of them, um, they have to understand the command "leave it." That's an important one if you're you, if you're at a facility uh, where. And someone has dropped a nitroglycerin pill, you know, you don't want the dog just picking up um, anything off the floor. And that, that's a, that was one that Julia pointed out to me the other day when we were talking. Um, so the dog must understand, leave it. They obviously must be able to walk around uh, people with different infirmities and mental handicaps and physical handicaps, wheelchairs, walkers, etc. Um, they have to show... They have to be able to be away from their owner for three minutes and not have severe separation anxiety, so bark nonstop. Um, those are the type of tests they have to be able to react or to not react to children. There are so many different venues of therapy dog training now that we have to be careful because it used to be just nursing homes and now it's, it's hospitals, it's hospice. Um, we have more and more dogs being trained for hospice reading programs with children. <coughs> There's so many different venues for working dogs now, therapies, therapist's office, um, guidance counselors in schools that, um, you know, they have to have the training on them, uh, be able to pass these tests under a certified evaluator, um, and then be able to send in their registration every year. It can't, it can't lapse. And they actually, when you do that, you'll actually be given a volunteer insurance policy. That's good for one year, and every year you renew it if there have been no incidences. So a facility or someone that's interested in having therapy dogs come in could certainly ask for a copy of the dog's uh, current Therapy Dogs International um, ID badge. Um, We have one one rehabilitation center that we just have to bring in, in the, new, the new paperwork every year. Um, so that's the type of things that we look for or that we, we ask people to look for if they are interested in having a therapy dog uh, come into their facility. Is Therapy Dog International the only certifying body for therapy dogs? Oh, no, there are so many now. Um, Delta... And Therapy Dogs International used to be the two mainstays. And now they're, just like anything else nowadays, there are so many more. Um, you know, I kind of, I stayed with one of the two mainstays because, to be really honest, they kind of had the program, and, and my feeling was, why break something that wasn't broke? Mm-hmm. But there are certainly a number of local groups as well as other groups all around the country. 
does Delta also provide the insurance, or is it just Therapy Dog nope. International? No, Delta does as well. Okay. Um, there are now we hear new things every day. Um, I just heard of a local organization that um, does have therapy dogs, but they don't require um, any any really form of testing, so to speak. And they also have insurance. Now, I'm not really sure how that's happening. I don't know the whole story. Um, but generally, for any of the organizations, you want you want to be able to show that the person that's coming into your facility has in, has an insurance policy, a, a volunteer insurance policy. Okay, that's good um, to know. Yeah, I think that's very important. If I'm working with the dog, I want to know that I've got some protection there. Um, you know, so those are things that I'm looking for. Um, I also do two-day intensive workshops uh, because I actually want people to have more training. So my handlers, like even on on Cape Cod, my handlers all have had much more training than is required. Um, But by the same token, we kind of take our dogs anywhere, and we actually like it because these dogs and the owners are very confident. And a lot of the training is for the owners, but it's all for the dogs, but it's also for the owners. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz, you take your dogs to Tewksbury State Hospital, and for our listeners, that's a very traditional um, state hospital. It has uh, big grounds. Um, it's what we think of um, when we think of, like, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, if you yeah. will, that, that type of facility. Um, how do your dogs react to, to that? Because I know as a person, I have a reaction when I go to a facility like that. So do they pick that up? Um, they don't because, to be honest with you, the facility is, is not like that. And, and like you, when I was going for my interview, I was a little hesitant thinking, oh, my, I wonder if it will be like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But, no, it's a very professional building. We walk in, we sign in with the security guard. Our escort meets us. Um, my dogs um, have become friends with the security guards, so they do get greeted very well, but they know that once the escort comes down and we go in the elevator to go up to the floor, um, my dogs are in work mode, um, and they're very settled. And do they wear a scarf or anything? Is there something that they do differently so they know they're uh, in My work dogs mode? are certified, certified through dog bones um, uh-huh. in situ. So they wear a, a little red vest that has, their dog bones patch on it, and then my dogs have their other obedience patches on it. But that's the only difference. And do they act differently when you put the vest on? Yes, they do. They um, do? Both my dogs know that when the vest goes on that they're going to go visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both enjoy it. So there is a little bit of excitement when we're standing in the kitchen getting dressed, if you will. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they also they also know that that vest means that they're working. Um, so for as much as they enjoy it, you know, they settle right down. And we'll be right back. Um, If you have any questions, give us a call right after this commercial. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? 
Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family sense of recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. At last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with Arena. Broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Today we are talking about therapy dogs and dog training. And for any of you who are looking to either become uh, certified as a therapy dog handler or if you are an agency or clinician wanting to get involved with therapy dogs, uh, this is the show for you. Our guests today are um, Julia McDonough of Fortunate Canine in Derry, New Hampshire, Liz Cleves, who is a staff trainer and coordinator for therapy dogs at Fortunate Canine, and Gina Hayes, who's the owner and training director of Just Dogs Training on Cape Cod, and she's associated with Therapy Dogs International. I should also mention that Liz has gotten her dogs trained through Dog Bones, which is another certifying agency. So um, before we went to break, uh, Liz, you were telling us about how your dogs know when they put their vests on, they're ready for work. Mm-hmm. And um, how long do you usually go? How long is a volunteer session? Uh, where I am at Tewksbury Hospital, we do a one-hour visit once a week. And what what's it like for the dog afterwards? Um, what it uh, well, we we sign out, and once we leave, once we actually leave the building, uh, and if it's clear to do so, we're in the parking lot. I just kind of release my dog. I mean, they're with me, but you know, they get an extra treat. They get to kind of run around, controlled with me on leash for a little bit. And then they go right back in their car and off we go. Um, but I do that to kind of release them and to, to praise them for their job well done. Are they tired? Yes. Um, my Doberman is especially tired. He is done for the day after a therapy visit. Um, my German Shepherd, being a little bit younger, she'll sleep, take a nap for about an hour, and then she's back to ready for the next adventure. Mm-hmm. 
I know when my mother was in an assisted living facility, there was a woman who would bring her beagle in, and um, she would say that the dog was just exhausted after the the therapy session. And um, I guess to us it looks like they're just doing what they always do. They're going around and being friendly, but for them that's work, isn't it? The way I look at it is my, my dog's using his head as well as his body on a therapy visit. Um, <clears throat> so he has a right to nap when he's done. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, one of the things that we were talking about um, earlier, too, is, is the characteristics of um, a good therapy dog. And do dogs, are they as nurturing as we think they are, or is that more of a dominant kind of um, thing that they're doing. I know my dog will come over and snuggle and um, seems to be nurturing, but is that is that what he's doing or is he just being dominant? Well, it's really easy to characterize uh, stuff in, in these sort of, you know, the, the way that the dog culture is, has come up recently to the popular culture is we characterize everything as being dominant or submissive, and there are gray areas, and most dogs, they do what feels good to them. You know, they, they are animals. They're, they're our closest animal friends, that's for sure. They're the closest to us uh, in, in some of their emotional responses, and they certainly have that, that level of a, a bond with us. But at the same time, sometimes they're doing something that, that is uh, rewarding to them. It doesn't necessarily mean they're being dominant. And so when dogs seek out attention, Sometimes, depending on the context of the relationship, it can be a dominant thing. A dog who constantly barks at you until you get up and give him a cookie is, eh, that's maybe not so affectionate. But at the other end of the spectrum, you have to look at the the fact that dogs do feel levels of affection and, and trust and comfort uh, with people. They do seek comfort out uh, emotionally. I am a firm believer in that. And I think that when these guys are going into these facilities with their dogs, um, I think the dogs are getting something out of it that's it's not it's way beyond the whole dominant submission paradigm. I think it's something that falls into one of those gray areas where the dog truly enjoys the attention being paid to him. And uh, Gina could probably speak to that too, just you know, as being a, a dog trainer who's been training in, in a lot of different venues for many years um, about just the whole. You know uh, what what the dog gets out of the relationship with a person besides uh, all the usual perks of food and shelter and veterinary care. So, what does the dog get out of being a therapy dog, Gina? I think it's their time to shine. I'm going to be honest with you. Yes, it's, we talk about it. It's exhausting. Well, of course it is. Um, but in all honesty, I find <laughs> I find so much of the time um, it's really about us. And this is their time. Um, I'm just with them for the ride. Mm -hmm. This is about them. And, yes, I do talk to the people, and and I've met so many wonderful people over the years. But this is their time. And what I find is when our dogs are done, yep, after an hour they're tired, we generally send our dogs out to run and have a good, safe, off-leash run. And sometimes I stop at McDonald's on the way home and give them a couple French fries, <laughs> which I normally would never do. Um, and I find that, to be honest, the the, uh, the the dominance thing, there's nothing. I'm going to be honest. I was a cop for so many years, and I, I actually loved a dominant dog. I wanted a dominant dog to work. That was a dog that had the confidence to go out. 
So I kind of look at dominance a little bit different than some people, but I think that they really do get a lot out of uh, the companionship. Uh, sometimes people hold a little bit too much, and we kind of have to step in and help the dog um, out a little bit. Sometimes it's too warm. They might be uncomfortable. But this is their time. This is where, where they shine. So I think they get a lot out of it. I know my dogs do. They get a lot out of it. Um, they leave, and they're very, 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 very happy. Liz, what do you think your dogs get out of it? Um, well, my my dogs both enjoy working, and that's what I call what we do. Um, they they have their special patients that we see week to week, and I can just tell by the way my dogs start to approach that person that they're very glad to see them. Um, and for as much as my dogs are working when they're on a visit, there is a, a they are allowed to 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 be dogs. Um, you know, so they're getting a special pet, they're getting a special cuddle. And I firmly believe that some of the nonverbal patients that we're working with, I really believe those patients are somehow communicating with my dogs because just the way they may stroke them or touch an ear or something, because there's very calm look comes across the patient's eyes and also across my dog's eyes. So I think there's some kind of connection there that we don't all understand, but the dogs are doing great work with it. Um, early on, um when my dog was a puppy, we have uh, parades here in Manchester, and I, I'd like to take him to the parade just so he can get the sense of all the commotion and the, and whatever and the noise. And we were, he was sitting there, and um, we were waiting for the parade to come. And this older woman came over and very appropriately said, "Can I pet your dog?" Mm. And um, and he was sitting, so so I let her pet him. And then she just started to talk about her childhood and the dog she had, and it just seemed to me like dogs are such a a connector, you know, that they connect us to other people, they connect us to our childhood, that they're the carriers of so so many memories for so many people that that are um, nurturing and they're and they're they're just a warm cuddly feeling, you know, when when you see a dog and you remember the dogs you had when you were younger, and it, and it just seems, at least for my dog. Elderly people are really attracted to him, and my concern is, is like if I'm walking him down the street and, and an older person comes up, that you know he'll knock him over or whatever. But because um, he's, you know, he, he will sit, but he also gets excited. He loves attention, and um, you know, it just seems like dogs bring something out in people that that other people can't or other animals can't. They absolutely do, and uh, they really are sort of a catalyst for people sometimes to talk about things that they'd normally be uncomfortable discussing. Um, sometimes in my role as a trainer and instructor, especially with the behavior rehabilitation stuff I do for dogs, sometimes I feel uh, like I'm performing a therapeutic service for the owner because they finally get to talk about what's really bothering them and, and because it's a whole picture for the dog uh, of who he lives with, the different people coming and going, the dynamic among all the humans in his life. Sometimes the dog will bring out um, a lot of, as you said, emotional discussion. Sometimes it's a very pleasant discussion. Um, sometimes the dog brings out, as you say, the memories from, from somebody who says, geez, I used to have these when I was growing up. I get that a lot when I'm walking my Dobermans. Um, we'll, we'll run into somebody, especially elderly people, and they'll say, oh, I used to have one of these back in the 60s. And it's, it's really, really neat to see that. And then just in the line of work that I do, as I say, a lot of times people will come up and they'll actually start to 
talk about a lot of things that perhaps they weren't as freely uh, discussing even with their own family members, but they'll talk to a dog trainer because it's the dog who sort of brings it out in them. It's a, sort of an interesting phenomenon that uh, any dog trainer who's been doing this for a while can tell you about. Well, we know in therapy that um, 40% of what makes therapy effective is whatever um, strengths and resiliency the person brings to therapy, and 35% is the relationship that you're able to develop with the individual. So when you think about the dog just having the capacity to build a relationship immediately, there's a lot we can learn from them around how to build a relationship. And we'll be right back after this next commercial. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk. Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. 
Welcome back, everyone. Today we're talking about therapy dogs and dog training, and our guests today are Gina Hayes, owner and training director of Just Dogs Training on Cape Cod. She is also associated with Therapy Dogs International. We also have Julia McDonough, who is the training director for Fortunate Canine in Daring, New Hampshire, and we have Liz Cleves, who is the staff trainer and coordinator for Therapy Dogs um, at Canine at Fortunate K9, and we also had a caller that we lost uh, during the break. So, Darlene, if you want to call back, we'll get you right in. Um, I, I would like to just kind of wrap it up by, by summarizing that if an agency is interested in having a therapy dog come in, it's important that, A, they do their homework, they find out that the, if the, the dog and the trainer or the handler are current in any type of certification and that they should have volunteer insurance, there also should be an interview prior to the dog and the handler coming into the agency. And um, I guess, if, on the other hand, from the, the you three experts, what should a handler do if they think they have the best dog in the world for uh, to be a therapy dog? How should they go about um, becoming a good dog handler? Take it away, Gina. <laughs> I think contacting contacting an organization, getting a referral to a really good trainer or a, a professional trainer or uh, an evaluator, someone that can, that makes a lot of common sense, but also you know reading the rules, uh, familiarizing yourself, um, you know, so that when you go to talk to someone, that you're not so surprised that the dog actually has to have obedience training on them. So they would go to, like, Therapy Dogs International website? Is that where they would they look for They could certainly the go there. That's one place. But they, if you put in, if you do a Google search nowadays on Therapy Dogs, uh, you come up with so many so many different, um, um, you know, different links that they can, they can start to research and read and educate themselves about Therapy Dogs. Um, speaking to someone who, uh, to a trainer who is very uh, well Versed or rounded in therapy dogs is going to help as well because you'll understand what they can talk to you about what you what you have, what you'd like to do, and what your dog might need further training on as well as yourself. Um, so I think going to a, a very good professional trainer and researching as well about um, therapy dog requirements. Uh, there's so much information on the internet, but I think. Um, by going to Delta Therapy Dogs International Bones, you know, you can certainly learn pretty much what dogs really are going to require, which is the basics, to be honest, just a well-mannered dog. Does anyone have anything they want to add to that? I guess I would say that just in general, um, when somebody decides they'd like to do something such as therapy dog work with their dog, it's so important to realize that you are making a commitment. Um, I know that we have, Liz, is it nine or, or ten teams right now? We have actually 11 teams now. 11, 11 teams right now, and these folks are really committed to the um, the places that, that ask them to work with them, and it's something that the you have to realize these people on the inside um, who, who are looking forward to your dog's visit, they're depending on you too. And I, I think that's really important for the people who want to do this to, to realize that they're, bringing, um, they're responsible for bringing in this, this incredible um, happiness and comfort 
to people who really, really require it. And so that as much as it's sort of a, a fun thing to do with your dog, you're also carrying a lot of responsibility for somebody else's happiness when you do it and to, to realize that you will be making a commitment, uh, which is why I'm so proud of the people up here at, at Fortunate Canine who are doing this. They've really, really just um, taken it to a, a great level, and these are wonderful people and wonderful dogs. And I never would have known as much about the therapy dog uh, programs if it wasn't for Gina um, and her her crew is always uh, doing a lot of work like that. And I think that it really speaks to the quality and, and compassion of the human part of the team as well. And I think people need to be aware that that should be part of it. And So this really is a privilege. It is a privilege. If in your area, I know that, I mean, as I said before, there's there's no limit to what you can actually do with your dog nowadays. You have to think. Nobody's going to just open the door for you and say, here, have fun. You have to think. You have to train. But then the rewards are, are just numerous um, for you and your dog. But also, too, there's just so many things you can do. You have the greeters now that at Pease Air Force Base for the troops that come back from, from, uh, from war. You know, we have the therapy dog teams that go up to, to uh, Pease and greet them when they come home. You know, so there's just there's just so many things you can do nowadays, um, and I think it's just it, it's an incredible privilege to have a therapy dog, um, and it does as 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 was said earlier, it certainly does strengthen the bond between the owner and the dog. I mean, it's just amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Liz, do you have anything to add? Um, I think I would just reinforce what, what Julia said, that when you have made a commitment to a facility, it's just so important to follow through. Um, because in some cases, you know, you and your dog walking into that patient's room, that's the real highlight for that day. And you never know when they're having a bad week, and it might be the highlight for the week. So it's not something that you want to casually take on and, and fit in when you can. You really want to make a, a, a commitment that, to benefit the patients that you're visiting. I think that this is wonderful work, and I, um, you know, I think that we have so much to learn from from a lot of animals. But I think dogs, in particular, as I was saying earlier, they can just walk into a room and immediately establish rapport mm-hmm. or a relationship. And it takes us humans a lot longer sometimes to do what they can do instantly. I had one of my most rewarding visits I ever did. I started looking into therapy dogs back in the 70s when I worked for a children's burn center. And at that time, there wasn't really anything, but as soon as there was, I jumped on board. But one of the most rewarding visits I ever did was really a very easy visit in a nursing home, sitting in the lobby waiting for the other members of my team to arrive. I had one of my Irish setters. And we're sitting there, and I watched a husband and his wife. He was in a wheelchair reading the paper, the daily newspaper, to his wife who was sitting in a chair. And she kept looking across at, at Ruby, at my dog. And finally, I walked over, and I said, could you, could you hold my dog for just a moment, please? And she said, I would love to. And she put Ruby beside her. I told Ruby to sit, stay. And I went and sat back down again. And I watched this couple... And while he read, while the husband, the elderly husband, read the newspaper to his wife, she sat with Ruby holding the leash and petting her head. 
and stroking her gently for about 15 minutes. And at that point, I got up and I said, you know, oh, thank you so much. I'll take Ruby back. And she goes, we did this every morning of our life when we were at home together. Only we had golden retrievers. And just, I mean, that was nothing but what an incredible, it left, it left an impression on me that we didn't have anything earth-shattering, but we gave them back a sense of being normal again, what they remembered, familiarity. And that was just one of the best visits we, I, I, I just loved it, I still do love it, because sometimes we forget that when people are, are living elsewhere from their home, they lose that fe- feeling of being normal. Um, things change. Um, and that was just, like I said, that was just one of my, my very, very favorite visits. I love that one. Liz, and can you I've share with us it. one of your favorite visits? Um, one of my favorite visits. Um, yes, I would say it would be when I had my Doberman with me. Um, and we were visiting with a patient that we had seen for several weeks, but she'd kind of been non-responsive. Uh, my dog's name is Panzer, but we call him Mr. P for short. And we were walking down the corridor in the hospital. We were on the unit we were working on. And I saw her in her wheelchair. And someone must have told her that Panzer was there because she hit the joystick of her of her wheelchair and turned around and then all of a sudden yelled out at the top of her lungs, pee. And it was the one and only time that my dog ever barked while working in a hospital. And he only gave out one bark And when we, we walked up to the woman. And up until that point, I had been told that she had not really worked the joystick on her wheelchair. Um, you know, she was fine to be put places, you know, in the unit, but hadn't really driven herself around. And she drove herself straight for Panza. Um, albeit she almost ran over him, but we were able to avoid that. <laughs> and I just, just hearing her voice yell out P was just incredible. So for those of you who are listening, um, therapy dogs can make the world a whole lot better place to be in, whether um, they're in an agency or in a treatment center or greeting the troops when they come home from overseas. I want to thank all my guests today, Gina Hayes, Liz Cleves, and Julia McDonough. And if you want more information on Fortunate Canine, um, you can go to www.fortunatek9.com. And, Gina, would you have a website? JustDogsTraining.com. And um, have a great week, everybody. And thank you, all of you, for sharing with us about your experience and how to be good dog handlers. So have a great week, everybody. Thanks for having us, Mary. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.